Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. 1999, the trailblazing double LP that made Prince a star back in 1982, has finally gotten the super deluxe edition treatment, and pretty much every music publication is now raving about the two full discs of rare and unreleased material from the legendary Prince Vault, as well as the very first remaster of the landmark album itself. We're going to spend a little time talking about this new box set today, but we really wanted to dive deep into the original 1999, a classic that is nevertheless sort of overshadowed by Prince's world-beating follow-up, Purple Rain. And what better way to give 1999 its due than by ranking and discussing every song one by one? Before we get started, I'm curious about both of your previous opinions on 1999. I know we're all big Prince fans, but is this one of your favorites? And do you kind of agree with me that it's like, it always feels like kind of in the shadow of Purple Rain for some reason? It does feel like it's in the shadow of Purple Rain. I mean, because I mean, that that record is so, you know, monumental. It's like hard not to be. But um, yeah, I love 1999. I like I think this is maybe my favorite Prince record. Uh, Mm. You know, depending on the day of the week, you ask me, I I, I think uh, usually I would say this record. Yeah, I mean, uh, arguably 1999, the song itself was maybe one of the first Prince songs that I had ever, you know, known about. You know what I mean? Same. Um, As far as the record goes, you know, I kind of came to it after, like, uh, Purple Rain, obviously, and just kind of like what you mentioned, Gabe, it kind of always felt like it was just not, at least, you know, over the history of listening to it, it just always felt like not a good enough, you know, Purple Rain, so. Hmm. Yeah, I want to, you know, dive into that more for sure, but for me, it was like, it feels like this thing that I've never been able to, like, fully, fully get into. Um, I do like it, and I I, I honestly got to say that this album like needed a remaster more than any other Prince album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's quite murky. It's like quite dense and and pretty strange at points. And I, I just almost found it unbearable, like how thin and shitty the you know original master sounded. So you know I've listened to it plenty, but I feel like I've spent my whole life waiting for this to get remastered. So this is a pretty you know my first real moment to like. <laughs> try to make it click and you know we'll come back to how well i did um but like i said we're gonna rank every song we always get into pretty like deep uh minutiae when we do this so i'm looking forward to it let's start with 11 number 11 the worst song uh according to dan on 1999 you always phrase it that way and you always i always go first (laughs) and so you make me look like the dickhead um the the least good song on 1999 um i i put free you know, it's 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 one of the two ballads on here. I, I think uh-huh. it's the worst of the two. The the concept is like a little cheesy. It's like sort of like patriotic. You know, he's like literally talking yeah. about like you know being able to live your free life and stuff. You know, it, it's just a little cheesy. It sort of like feels like it doesn't fit the theme of the rest of the record. Super super. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, I want to ask though: is so you would say you like this? But just not as much as the others? Or do you dislike this song? Because I kind of dislike it. I kind of dislike it in the context of 1999. But I think like if it was on another record or a single or, you know, if this was one of those vault tracks, I would be like, oh, yeah, it's not a bad song. Like, it's not a bad yeah, song. Yeah. Like, I, I don't hate it. But I, I, I definitely, it, it is the only song in this record that I would say that I'd sort of lean towards wishing it wasn't there. 
It's actually my number 11 as well. Is it yours, Darren, by chance? It's my number 10, so close uh, okay. enough. Okay, all right. Yeah. So so we can, we can try to hash it out. You know, it is bizarre, I think. I, I basically just can't understand its function, you know, in the album. It seems to not fit the theme. You know, we'll get into this plenty, but like this apocalyptic kind of sci-fi, you know, reckless abandoned thing that's going on here. It's like a very sincere, patriotic song, it seems. And... You know, it almost seems to evoke like the national anthem a little bit yeah. with that low yeah, guitar yeah. <laughs> line. And I, I, I think of like Jimi Hendrix's national anthem, right? Yet when he was doing it, uh, you know, it was like there was something ironic about it. Was like it, a little you know, subversive, because, yeah. Yeah, like Vietnam is like ripping the country apart, and he's like literally shredding the, you know, the anthem to bits. Um, this is like totally sincere. I mean, is is it? Would it be too much to say? Like, it, it reminds me of you know those shitty sellout country songs that are just like really nationalistic. I, um, well, it reminds was, me of the song that's like, "Am I stand up next yeah. to you in <laughs> Lee Greenwood?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I was thinking sort of the same thing uh, earlier today when I was you know going over my my final checking checking it twice, you know, with my, with my naughty list or whatever. Um, oh. It's festive. We're in the Christmas season. Um, <laughs> right. I, and I was thinking that, like, if he if he had just gone like a little more obvious that it's patriotic, like it would be like that Lee Greenwood song, or you know that Toby <laughs> Keith will, will put a boot in your ass song, or yeah, something. You know, it's yeah. like he at least like pulls back a little. You know, there's like it's thinly veiled enough where you can like, you know, it's not in your face America, but it, you know, it's it's close enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like weird because like right in the middle of the Reagan era, you know, it, it seems like he's he's feeling pretty pessimistic about things throughout the rest of this album. But all of a sudden, it's like very optimistic here and like very nationalistic. I, I just don't get it. It's also weird that the instrumentation is completely traditional. It's yeah, like the mm-hmm. only song where that's the case. I mean, you have more thoughts on this, Darren? No, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, uh, you know, this was actually one of the songs that I was, like, probably least familiar with just from not, like, having listened to this song in particular. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it actually started off yeah, a little bit higher on my my list because, you know, I love a good Prince ballad, right? <laughs> I was kind of already, like, sucked into that. But then after, like, repeated listens, I was like, oh, my God, this is this really is, like, incredibly patriotic. It sounds like that Lee Greenwood kind of thing I was just describing. And so yeah. it just started dropping, dropping, dropping. I bet like a couple more days, it probably would be like number 11 for me. If it was about something else, do you think you would like the song more? I'm actually more upset about like the instrumentation. Like it, the way it yeah. sounds so patriotic is really more bothersome to me than like him singing about being glad that you're free and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he doesn't say, he's not explicitly saying like, you know, God bless the USA or something like <laughs> that. Know, right. If he went that far, I'd have a problem, but. Um, it's really the instrumentation I feel like is just very jarring compared to like the rest of the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I'll have a little more to say about it when we get to the other ballad, because I feel like this works in kind of a different way. Um, but your number 11 is Darren. Um, it's something in the water does not compute. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> what the we could disregard, Darren. yeah, we could disregard Darren's opinion here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Jesus. okay why worse, worse, worse than free, than worse free. <laughs> what the okay go on everyone's Look, I, shutting I just, this podcast off right right <laughs> keep listening please keep keep listening it gets better um you know i just i just felt like this was like the least like interesting song on the album you know it actually 
you know, repeated listens, like kind of kept coming back and like listening to this over and over again to like try to understand why am I just not really liking it. And I guess I'm just kind of like, and it's interesting because it's actually shorter than a lot of these other songs that kind of like jam and go on for a while. Yeah. But I feel like I'm actually like sort of bored in this song and it's, it's kind of crazy, but like maybe it's just, you know, the beat and the instrumentation is just really not like that, that it's just not that interesting to me i guess um prince's like vocals are like seem very like murky on this track more so than like even the other ones um Hmm. i just i don't know it it didn't really like go anywhere for me so i at least like with free i felt like i you know i was a bit of a sucker for the ballad from prince so that's kind of why that sort of won out between the two of those songs but just not a big fan of this one man i wonder dan is this like quite a bit later for you yeah yeah we won't be talking about this one for a while (laughs) all right same with me so let's maybe save our our thoughts on this one um god damn like i said 11 for me uh the objective number 11 on this (laughs) album is free uh so now we're moving into number 10 dan what's your number 10 yeah number 10 and i want to say basically from this point forward yeah, I love I, all I these songs. I, I love all these yeah. songs. It was this is honestly a really hard list to make. Like I, I, I really kind of struggled with it. But uh, n- number ten for me is automatic. Um, okay, it's my number nine. Okay, it's my good. number nine as well. Oh, nice. Wow. Um, I, I like it. it. It's 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 like a weird like sort of like if Kraftwerk was a funk band, you know, yeah. like the right, automatic right. thing. Like that, that's really catchy too. It keeps getting stuck in my head. But o- overall, I think it's like lyrically a little weak because it is just, uh, you know, a lot of that like repetition and even the songs sort of repetitive. Um, but I mean, it's still great. It's just like there, it, it's more of that. There's uh, uh whatever nine songs that are more great. I think is why it's my number 10. Yeah, for me, it's it's really quite strange. It's the longest song here, you know, and it's like it is it's very robotic. It's very, very craft work. I think it's almost not even funk. It's almost like just a pure kind of like synth pop new wave kind of a thing. That's fair. Um, and it's like, you know, it, it's just strange because it's almost consciously stiff. And I think that's sort of a theme on a few other songs here. But you know, there's something interesting about the way that the the revolution, you know, the singers, they always sing like a bit deadpan, a bit, um, you know, robotic themselves, I, I've always felt. And it's really used to its best effect here. I also think that it's repetitive, but it, I don't know, if you kind of dig into it, it really has quite a lot going on within this like very repetitive beat. You know, I love like when the, the synths kind of like gets sustained and everything. And it's like, building intention you know his monologue is absolutely insane and i think lyrically the song is pretty fascinating it's like sort of about an addiction to a you know woman who like kind of mistreats him but then it starts to like shift and you realize it's kind of a masochistic relationship where he likes to be tortured and then they start getting it on i guess and the the woman is like moaning slash weeping you know it just gets it gets weird bonkers (laughs) completely fucking bonkers and you almost think of it like a club track like it it has a style of like a 12 inch you know kind of extended mix and then you think like who would dance to this shit you'd be like losing your mind you know if you're on any kind of drugs or something and the girl's like weeping having sex i don't know what what do you make of it darren yeah i mean i pretty much agree like what you guys are saying um wasn't you know I feel like, and I'll try to get into this a bit more as we get later on in the list, but like, 
you know, some of these Prince songs, especially on this album, you know, kind of how it precede, precedes um, Purple Rain, like, it has, like, a very established, like, sound of the 80s that, like, you know, Prince was probably, like, at the, you know, forefront of all of this. But, like, in my mind, looking back, it's like, this This sounds so much like the 80s. Yeah. But then there are certain Prince songs where it's like, Prince is in a league of his own. Like, it's beyond the reach of anybody else that came after him. You know what I mean? I can understand. This is not really yeah. one of those songs. You know what I'm saying? I can understand that. It's like sometimes, you know, when you see a movie and, like, that movie invented a cliche, but you, like... You came to it later. So it's like the Matrix with that like bullet time thing. Like, you know, I came to that like way after that movie actually came out. And so like it had already become a cliche. And so it's like sort of like hard to get past that. And I can see where like the, the 80s-ness of like some of these uh, songs could bother you if you weren't already like uh, into like I got a real soft spot for like popular 80s music, you know, so like I, I like those sort of sounds, but I can see like wh- how it could it could do that to you. But and there's definitely print songs that kind of elevate to the point where like it yeah that are it no longer that, feels yeah. cliche yeah it's like kind of timeless I guess is the you know the corniest way to describe it yeah I can understand that yeah yeah I, I do get that that not all the songs like transcend their time period but I think this is kind of the crux of this album like the weirdest thing about this album and it's not unique to this album but um, when something is trying to sound futuristic it inevitably gets old and then it sounds like weird you know it sounds dated like craft work must have sounded like the most cutting edge thing ever now or back then but when we listen now it's got this strange like retro Features, amateurism yeah. to it you know you watch like blade runner right it doesn't look like the future it looks like the 80s you know yeah it's and like there's the something future like very, in the 80s yeah yeah, yeah. And, and there's something like very like fundamentally weird about that that i think this album is kind of circling around. So I think we can, we'll, we'll sort of return to this, I'm sure, many times. Um, but in the meantime, Darren, your number 10, you already revealed, correct? Yes, because it was, it was free. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just wanted to make fun of you one more time. <laughs> my, number, my number 10 is a DMSR. Is that nearby for wow, you guys? No, not. no, it's not. Yeah, a little shot. Time to make fun of Gabe. Okay. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> well, Here's my here's my argument, okay? It's it's extremely funky, okay? This is kind of like it's got this cool, you know, it's using synths like James Brown uses horns or something. I'm always fascinated, you know, Prince likes to do this where the the drums, especially on this album, the drums are like quite stuttery, mm-hmm. you know? Like they're they're layered on top of each other almost and they're not like quite hitting at the same time. Um and it's, it like, adds, it's got like, like a reverb kind of, to it, right? So it just sounds yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But it's like the it's like the the echo is like just as loud as the, as the <laughs> right, original right, hit, right. you know. And it makes like a weird, you know, this whole record has like this nervous energy to it. <clears throat> and by kind of doing that like trademark Prince rhythm guitar thing in the pocket, it makes that kind of stiff, jittery thing like very, very funky. So I'll admit that my issue with this song is that so first off just on a fundamental level i think that um what's that dude's name bruno mars like ripped this shit off for uptown funk you know oh yeah that Mm -hmm. beat and it's it makes it like sound a little lame to me and i know that's not fair that's not prince's fault but it also kind of works like a live showstopper it feels like it almost doesn't even like you know it just doesn't work on record the way it will work live. And in fact, there's a live disc at the end of this um, box set where that's the, the um, closing song. And, you know, it's, it's a great time. You know, you could totally imagine being there and how fun it would be. Um, 
And yet it's got this kind of like wedding music thing that I can't shake because, you know, it's like, hey, you know, clap here, you know, repeat after me. You know, it's like (laughs) chanty and like, you know, slide to the left, slide to the right. You know, it's like it's one of those songs and it sounds like Uptown Funk, the like supreme wedding song of our generation. Doesn't it just feel like time has not been kind to this track? Uh, well, I disagree, um, and I guess yep, I'll hold disagree. on to it because it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's it's quite a bit <laughs> later for me. I do want to shout out when he, um, when he he specifically explains to the white people when to clap because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't be able to do it. Um, okay, so we'll we'll have a little more to say about that one. Then we are on to. Dan, your number nine. Yeah, my number nine. Uh, the other ballad here, uh, "International Lover." Again, Whoa. <laughs> I got that quite a bit later. I'm oh, gonna, really? Gonna be honest. I, I mean, again, I like this song, but it's just it's a little bit out of place um, because it, it's 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 more like the traditional um, arrangement, you know, instruments, whatever, um, and then. It's a good closer because, you know, it's like we, we, we've got like all this energy and everything and it's taking it down. You know, we're getting out of here. But I, I think in the context of the record, it's it's a little weaker. I don't I don't really need another ballad. Um, like, I really wish that this was just the only, you know, let's just get rid of free. Put put this there yeah. and then, you know, we're good to go. But I just I, I don't like love this track. You know, I think I want to save my thoughts. Are you on that? On that same page, Darren? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's quite a bit later for me. But I do want to ask, though, you know, based on what you were saying, something weird happens with this album, and I wonder if you guys have a problem with it, in that we hit free, and it's, like, completely off the topic that the album has basically been on the entire mm-hmm. time so far, which is this, like, reckless abandon, you know, this dance, like, the world's ending. We'll have more to say about that. You get to Lady Cab Driver, and you're like, okay... I can kind of, I can kind of see, you know, maybe he's like, you know, he's talking about he's like, there's trouble in his life and both. So maybe there's a little bit of that, but he's basically like having sex with this like cab driver. So, you know, all the critics love you in New York, you know, international, like the last four songs just basically don't even feel like they have anything to do with the theme. It feels like by the time we get to international lover, the theme is completely gone. I mean, is that a problem for you guys? I, I mean, I do sort of agree. I mean, at least like Lady Cab Driver does sort of have like a little bit of this reckless. Ab- I mean, he is like banging a cab driver, you know, like it's, yeah, there's, there's like at there. least some 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 recklessness there. But it feels like a stretch when you're trying to justify. Yeah, you it, are. And like, like, it, it sort of loses like like the, a lot of the rest of the record and not and not the entire record, but but a good deal of it has like this sort of like futuristic, you know, computer sort of thing in it, you know. Um, and that yeah. is completely lost, you know, after free, I think, you know, there, there's no more of, of, of that going on at all. Not, not even in the, like, not in the lyrics or really, uh, too much like in the, in the actual like sound of the record. Yeah. And just like thematically, like international lover doesn't even feel like it's trying to like, even the biggest Prince stand can't make it fit the theme. You know what I'm saying, Darren? Yeah. I guess I haven't really, I don't know. It, by the time I get to like all the critics love you in New York and even like international lover, I don't know, I, maybe it's just, like, it just happens, but, like, I kind of forget about the theme, you know what I mean? I feel like it's it slowly yeah. kind of, like, disappears. Rather than, like, abruptly doing it, I just feel like, you know, the, the first mm, four or five songs, I think, are pretty, pretty, you know, clear where they're, where they're going, but then even, like, automatic, something in the water, like, I'm already kind of, like, not thinking about it so much after that, you know? And then it just, those last two tracks 
feel like quintessential prints you know what i mean and i'll kind of get into that but yeah it does kind of ease you out of it i guess is 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 a good point um okay your number nine darren i believe we already heard yes it was automatic okay anything to add there nope no i know i i talked about it all right my number nine also automatic which i said plenty about dan your number eight yeah number eight uh for me lady cab driver um man criminal you put this so low (laughs) i mean again like we just sort of talked about this but um so i'll keep brief but you know it's another one that like sort of very only loosely can can fit the uh the the theme of the record also the end of it i mean call me a prude but uh it gets a little it gets a little much for me with the and it's not really the end it's just sort of like the end of the lyrics uh the whole like when he i guess is like banging somebody and he's like this is for this and that and I- <laughs> see that's the, that's the thing where that i can kind of like you know i just can't tell if i'm being like a stand but i can kind of force it to make sense because it's like he's kind of like fucking his frustrations out yeah <laughs> this girl or no something. Yeah. I, I understand it it's just like it makes me a little uncomfortable um and that's that's kind of a theme of the record, you know, yeah, where it's like yeah. sex is how is like a, a manifestation of his anxiety, you know, like his political anxiety almost. Um, so it's got a little bit of that. Um, but I, I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll have more to say about it later. I will. Uh, I will say I can. Uh, I can appreciate him uh, being frustrated and not being tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. I felt that one. Yeah, some of his some of his complaints are like not as big of a deal as some of the other ones uh, you know i don't know if he's, he's talking about like disney world i don't know if the lines are too long or what <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's an odd thing to bring up <laughs> compared to the cold war and yosemite and, like, sam proliferation and stuff you know yeah yeah it doesn't like that doesn't like that okay um so your number eight darren this one might be controversial i picked delirious for that's eight. my number eight as well oh, okay. wow it's actually my number seven so okay okay, okay okay interesting so you know i mean it's a fun track um very like reminiscent of other like kind of fun upbeat prince tracks um and i think upon like early listens it's like a kind of an immediate like earworm yeah you know what i mean um but just after like more and more listens like it kind of dropped down on my list and i I love this song i mean pretty much everything we're going to be talking about from here on out like you guys mentioned we love the songs but compared to the other ones you know i feel like I and I I definitely want to get to a song where I feel like I can talk about this, but you know, Prince has such a you know, fascinating way of like you know, obviously sex is like such a you know, very popular theme amongst a lot of his songs, but the way he sort of like almost makes you feel like you're having sex, you know what I mean? Like the way right, right, the way right. he, he kind of delivers things, um makes some of the later songs I'm gonna talk about just that much better. And I, again, like Delirious is just not one of those. Like it's a fun song. You don't think so? It, I you mean, know, because I, I I'm always struck by like it it feels like the drums are too fast, you know, somehow. Um I guess because they're kind of jerky and everything. Um and it's so fitting for the idea of, you know, feeling delirious. Mm-hmm. Uh the the synth line is like kind of like bendy I, and loopy. Yeah, I love know? that synth that woo noise, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm great. actually sometimes often actually i'm amazed that like princess songs are not cornier than they are because a mm. lot of times like the music so is so directly related to the theme of the mm-hmm. song you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? like <laughs> i need a delirious synth line here i don't know how he pulls that off no i know it, it is like surprising like because because you're you're exactly right you know he he's he 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 really like hits it on the nose a lot of times but but yeah i mean this song um it's the third single from 1999 and it feels like it you know it's like it's sort of like 
we're, we're still trying to get like you know another hit out of it and it, it just sort of feels like the lesser hit uh you know from little red corvette mm. 1999 you know which were were smashes i i even i just looked like delirious only made it to number eight on the chart uh hot 100 which i mean it's still great but you know the other ones were number one and stuff you know it, it just yeah. it has a little bit of that that the you know sort of stepchild feel to it uh yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm way off base here, but Delirious like really reminds me of kind of a Bruce Springsteen song, you know, like that self-conscious old-time rock and roll kind of thing. And it reminds me of Free a little bit, which is also kind of a Springsteen move, like a, you know, patriotic, nationalistic, maybe a little twisted, like not directly endorsing Reagan, but maybe like kind of capitalizing on the nationalistic mood in the eighties and stuff. And, you know, I just feel like Prince, and of course we're like two years away from born in the USA by Springsteen, which would be like one of the biggest records of the decade. Um, it feels like Prince kind of has his finger on the pulse a little bit. And am I wrong to be a little cynical and say that he was like, you know what? I better add like a, you know, patriotic anthem to this record. Cause it's like, it'll be big. And I better add like an old time rock and roll song to this record. Cause that's pop popular right now, you know? Yeah. You know, see, I don't know how much, especially like this sort of early in Prince's career, you know, I don't know how much like sway the, the, the record label had because I did read, yeah. uh, you know, I did a little reading, uh, on the record and I, I, I like the title track, like 1999, like they asked him to like includes a song that like, sort of summed up the scope of like what the theme of this record and then yeah. it's 1999 um so you know like they, they obviously had like some sort of sway so yeah i mean you could be right maybe they said you know we could use a we could use a rock or track maybe not, or, or you know a little maybe not that they said you know but just like I, I i often feel like and this is kind of true throughout prince's career but i feel like he sometimes like sits down at his piano and is like i'm gonna write a blank song you know I'm going to write a rock song today, sure. you know, or I'm going to write a soul yeah. song or I'm going to write. And then he's got like a self-consciousness consciousness of genre that is often very, very cool. Um, and I, I, I think it's cool here in Delirious, but it feels a little bit like a almost paint by numbers of, you know, it's like, what if I combine Springsteen and Devo? They're both really cool right now, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and I think it's fitting that, that it's like a, that it's like the third track on the record. You know what I mean? Like, notably after the two mega hit singles too you know what i mean like i it feels like it's almost deliberate and it's like imagine it anywhere else on the album like if it was later on right. i feel like it would it just yeah, would not that's true. work you know what i mean it is weird that the singles are in order like track listing wise it is you know very, it's very it like makes 90s strange. right <laughs> yeah i want i want to talk more about the sequencing actually cuz i think it's it's a little strange but it like also works um but let's see where the heck are we then number eight that was your number eight darren yes yep that was my number eight so it's also my number eight and now we're on to dan's number well, seven. that was my number seven jeez okay <laughs> this darren, is fucking your number seven <laughs> all right so number seven for i'm me delirious is... <laughs> hey <Yeah. laughs> number seven for me is let's pretend we're married okay <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's only a few more tracks oh, left. Da oh darren oh my i i see you we're going worst to best you gotta oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god look this Jesus, is it's okay. it's a great it's a great track um i just you know i honestly feel like the the songs that are higher up on the list i feel like are just a little bit better you know what i mean um <laughs> i don't really have like any like particular like complaints 
about the song. It's fun. You know, it's it's upbeat. It's it's much better than even though it's like close to delirious on this list. I feel like it's a pretty it's a lot better than delirious. I feel like to me, you know what I mean? It's kind of more mm-hmm. along the lines of like what I like, like uh, thematically, you know, I feel like the it's very it's incredibly earwormy, like just always stuck in my head. That whole like shasha cuckoo. Yeah, yeah, like yeah the whole yeah. thing is just, you know, I don't I don't even know how you come up with a line like that, but it is. Uh, <laughs> It's Another incredible. great line. Yes. I sincerely want to fuck the taste out of yes. your mouth. I like yes. that. Um, and <laughs> that then, what, like three lines later or something, it's like, I follow God. Uh, he's the only yeah. way. Or something. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Wonderful. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to save my thought. We're, this is going to be a long podcast because our lists are so different that we're all saving our our thoughts. I don't suppose it's close for you, uh, Nah, Nah, it's, it's pretty far. I'll, I'll wait. It'll, it'll be closer <laughs> wow. years, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Then um, I'll have more to say for sure. My number seven, this might be controversial, Little Red Corvette. That's my number six. Mm -mm. Okay. Shocking. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, I think this suffers a little bit from the, I've heard it too much, which is weird because I've definitely heard 1999 more and that hasn't suffered at all to me, but it's kind of like a simple rock song. I understand why it was Prince's breakthrough single. Actually, I don't understand that because... He has some like absolute fucking bangers on previous albums, but I understand why this one was a hit at least. Um, It's, you know, it's interesting because it's got like, it's got a simplicity to it. It's got sort of like a prettiness to it. I love the soloing and everything. Um, I actually wanted to mention there's this thing in the, uh, it's like the last track of the last vault disc which is like a a little demo that he put together, I guess, of a medley of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Cab Driver, I Want to Be Your Lover, Head, and Little Red Corvette. And it was like for his touring band to sort of learn the medley or something. And so there's just an instrumental Little Red Corvette where he's just like kind of soloing on like an organ sounding synth. And it's like, instrumentally, it's just like fucking way better, I think, than the or- original song. I mean, like... If you haven't listened to this, you got to check it out. But there's like a sweetness buried behind a very self-consciously crafted like MTV hit, I almost feel like. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my problem with it. And I agree. Like, I I do sort of wonder if it is just uh, fatigue that makes me um, put this a little lower. Because I feel like I hear this song way more than 1999. Um, Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I I, I mean, I basically agree with you. It's just... I see why it was a huge hit. Uh, it feels like a huge hit. Um, you know that then that's sort of like uh, kind of kind of kind of wears thin and and it doesn't hold up quite as well as like the rest of the record. But I mean, there's no denying that like this is like as a is a banger. You know, like I'm never yeah, mad it's, when it's, I, when this comes on the radio or anything. It's just yeah, there's songs on here I'd rather hear that Darren I'll put uh, at the bottom of his list. <laughs> right. Um, I've got a couple questions. Why does this song sound so bad uh, quality-wise? Like, yeah. His vocals are distorting, and it's weird because the backing well, vocals are very You clear. know, I was thinking about that last night, actually, because his, his, his vocals and even sort of maybe the whole song... Um, I was I, I I drove kind of far yesterday, uh, and I listened to this album like the the whole time I was driving, and um, it, it made me think like you know it, the song's Little Red Corvette. It's, it's about like a sports car, and I thought like maybe the, like on the vocals and and maybe even the music, there's like a slight compression, and I think like 
maybe it's trying to emulate like the sound uh, you know like when when you see like a, a movie about the 50s or something it's always like that driving around listening to the radio and it's always got that that like mm. compressed like 50s radio kind of am like sort of sound to it so i was wondering like maybe it's that you know like it, it's intentional but then it, it's so sort of like kind of subtle that um i don't know if if that's mm. correct or i'm just you know thinking up crap that's, in the car that's or spoken what, like you know? a true stan i think true stan <laughs> yeah i mean maybe the other thing i wanted to ask is how do the lyrics of this song hit you in in 2019 you know it's like possibly problematic but maybe prince can just get away with anything but you know he's basically having a one-night stand with this girl maybe the most legendary one-night stand in rock and roll history um and He's, you know, telling her like, you got to stop doing this, you know, that you're, you're, you're going to ruin your life. You know, you, you got to stop living so fast and you're going to fuck yourself up emotionally like a little, I don't know, slut shamey or something. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, I think, I think you said it like Prince just sort of like, cause a lot of like the sex stuff is, I mean, even, uh, the lady cab driver, like the end of that, you know, like I feel like a lot yeah. of other people would, would not get away with that today, but it's just like. Prince is just this like weird like uh sexual being or something that like just sort of transcends any anything like that, you know. Um and as far as I know, he doesn't have any like real allegations. You know, it's all like in song, you know. I've never heard anything like and I could well, be wrong. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it, <laughs> he also doesn't this, come this across like, as like being overly like masculine, and you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I think that's another thing. Yeah, he of... he's not like a t- he's never been like a tough guy or, or something. You know, like he's, he's pretty. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's all true in general, but I just mean like the message of this song specifically is like he's having a one night stand with a girl who is also having a one night stand, and he's like telling her, you know, being a little preachy, like oh, you got to stop yeah, doing this. You true. know, it's really bad for you. Yeah, you know. I feel like he can kind of get away with it. It's like actually a theme that he does in a lot of his songs and you don't really feel like he means it, you know, like he's, most of his songs are about, Hey, have fun, you know, like strip down to your underwear, uh, right here and dance and have sex with whoever you want and stuff. So it, it feels like it's not his MO to shame somebody. And maybe it's genuine that he could, he met somebody or something or could have met somebody that was kind of being reckless with their emotions or body or whatever. Um, I just thought it was kind of, kind of interesting, um, interesting listening experience. Not something I'd thought about until, you know, we were listening this week. Um, all right. So we are on what number? I have no idea. Uh, my number six, but it was Little Red Corvette. So, okay. You Darren's number six then. My number six is Lady Cab Driver. Okay. Which okay. both of you guys already talked about, or yep. no? I haven't. Yet. Oh, I, I haven't. have. Yeah, just Dan. Okay, yeah. I mean, this song is just a jam. It is like such a jam. Not it one is. that I can jam out with the kids in the car, unfortunately. <laughs> a little too much moaning <laughs> right. uh, going on about halfway through, but uh, just a real like jam, like funky, funky song that I, you know, regardless of like the lyrical themes or whatever, like you could just listen to and enjoy over and over again. You know what I mean? Like it is like what the second longest song on the, uh, on the album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unlike automatic, like I find myself like constantly kind of wanting to come back to this. Just, just a little melody, like later can't drive it. Like just I over know, and over and falsetto. over again. So, so great. You know what I mean? And Prince just lay it on me, go on for however long you want. Make the women See, moan all you want. Like, I'm, I'm there. I'm there for it. 
I mean, you know, unlike something like Automatic or DMSR, this track has so much, like, you know, so many dynamics to it where it, like, stops, it slows down, there's, like, drum fills, there's, you know, blasts of synth followed by, like, shredding guitar. You know, it just builds and grows and evolves. Um, it earns it's, it's, the time limit, for sure. It really does. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's like a, a jam, but not the kind of jam where, like, all right, let's just ride this beat and play with it. You know, it really it really feels composed and it's i think absolutely awesome it's probably the funkiest thing here i mean that baseline mm-hmm. oh, is yeah. fucking unbelievable oh, yeah. it's like the finest rhythm guitar workout on the whole thing i think um falsetto i mentioned the synth line just keeps getting funkier and funkier like every couple minutes and you know i, I have like this massive funk and disco playlist that i play like anytime i'm you know, hang out with people. And this has been a staple for many years and, uh, it, it, it just never quits. Um, I'll save my number, but it is, it is definitely one of my favorite Prince songs period. Um, so number six for me then is something in the water does not compute. Are we any closer to yours, Dan? I mean, we're closer, but, um, it, it's a, it's a couple <laughs> away. I, I'll go ahead and talk about it, but I'll, I'll do what you did. I'll save the number. Okay. I mean, this is the point where I want to kind of mention how forward thinking I think this album is. You know, if you listen to this track, you know, the instrumental would basically be like an ambient techno masterpiece. And it's made in 1982. Yeah. You know, I cannot I, I just honestly cannot believe it. And I think that there's this is another thing referring back to what you were saying, Darren, where, you know, how do you how do you listen to this album do you try to get in the headspace of what it must have sounded like then because these sounds must have been brand new to so many people you know i think it's important to remember that you know the the things he's drawing from like house music you know techno hip-hop um that kind of stuff is like it's not going to hit the mainstream for like another decade. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it existed. I don't think he's inventing these styles necessarily, but they must've been so underground that everybody who bought this album, like almost everybody had never heard alien. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do you try to imagine like what this must've sounded like, or is that just a fool's errand? I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a fool's errand because you'll, you'll, you'll never like, it's nice to think about and i think you should at least if you're trying to like get into basically any album um you you should always sort of think about the context but i I mean i i think ultimately you should just how do you enjoy it today because there's plenty of records that i'm sure were fantastic when they came out or you know or or groundbreaking and then now they sound like completely cheesy and corny and you know nobody cares anymore and it it doesn't make it good now that it's it's not you know that that's the definition of, of, of classic, you know, it's timeless and stuff. So um, I, I think it's a fool's errand. What about you, Darren? I mean, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really come to the song, you know, thinking I mean, not about just this that, song, but, but this album, right? You can, yeah. you can, you know that it must have sounded futuristic as hell when it came out. Right, right. And I think, I think that, uh, you know, it's a testament that like, I feel like when I listen to it, I'm not like too drawn to the fact that like, oh, this is the 80s. It sounds like the 80s. You know what I mean? And we talked about this, like some of the songs kind of transcend that, but like, the, the you know, it you, for songs like this, for instance, where to me, it sounds pretty dated. Like I do have to like, feel like, all right, let me try to think about this in the 80s. It must've been like groundbreaking to hear something like that, but it doesn't necessarily make me personally like enjoy it anymore. Just more like, 
appreciate it. You know what I mean? I just remember that Darren put this as the last song. <laughs> I think that's crazy because it's the most like avant-garde thing here. I think it's yeah that it's the thing that's that still sounds futuristic. You know, more than almost any other track here. It's you know, it's really it's just bizarre. It's another <laughs> crazy example of like. I mean, so first off, I just, I just, I was trying, you know, to just imagine what must this have sounded like. And like, you know, nobody had like a computer, you know, and he's talking about like being a computer, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like yeah. that does not compute. Like what a weird way to respond to a girl who's turned you down. You know, that must have been. Um, and that that's kind of what he's doing. And it, it, it fits the dystopian vibe of the first like two thirds of this record if it's you know there's a lot of this like human but not human thing going on where like things are said robotically instruments are sort of stiff on purpose i think that's like all here and i just you know think about like i mean there must have been hundreds of thousands of people who had who had never heard a drum machine before this album and i imagine i I imagine you know it's 1982 and he's you know the song the album is called 1999 like it's one of those things where it's like imagine 1999 where there's like flying cars and all this kind of like wild stuff you know what i mean how accurate yeah. he ended up being with uh, a lot of this music is, you know, right, 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 shocking. And I, I also wanted to mention that you know I was about to say it, but like it's another example of those, you know, where it should be corny because he's like, you know, the the sound is basically like a computer malfunctioning, like do 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 do, does not compute, do 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 do, you know, it's like why isn't that corny? Just because it's Prince, you know, but I mean, what did you want to add about this, Dan? Yeah, I mean, to, to that point, I think Prince is just like the coolest person ever. And so even when he does something that should be corny, it's like still yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> a, a, a lot of like what you said is why, why I have it so high. And, um, you know, like, like you said, like, it, you know, it sort of like evokes like ambient techno or something that, you know, that, yeah. that really doesn't come into popularity for at least a decade, you know, maybe even a little bit more. And, all. and you know, I mean, I, I, I love electronic music and and all that. So I, I, I appreciate that of it. It's like so sort of like dark, too. You know, it's, yeah. it's like sort of a dark song. It's um, got an interesting like, you know, texture to it because those yeah, pads yeah. Mm-hmm. are really... I don't, there's just something about those chords that is it's quite unique on this album i think yeah i mean honestly i think i like this song for sort of the reasons darren dislikes it you know i i, <laughs> I really like uh i think it's a it's a like lynn drum like ln1 uh drum machine uh on this record yeah. and stuff and like i i don't know i just like it is like um you know an outdated like machine and everything but it, it just has like this cool sound that i really enjoy uh, like you said i love those those pads in it um and this is just a fantastic song and also uh is there a greater opening line than some people tell me i got great legs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not sure um yeah i guess you know just to sum it up I, I just feel like this is the one track that still sounds so alien you know in a way that i imagine it must have sounded back then um so we're on to your number five dan my number five, yeah, okay. Uh, that is DMSR, Dance Music, Sex, oh, Romance. That's my, that's my number five. Oh, there you go. All right, what justify yourselves? I you heard my complaint. Yeah, this this, <laughs> this is one. You know, it really surprises me that you don't like this song more. Um, it, it's just like so fun. Like it, it, you know, you you complain that like it's one of those things that sort of seems really fun live, but you know, you lose that a little bit in record. And I'm sure it's even more fun live, of course, but. I mean, I think it's still pretty, pretty goddamn fun. Um, like on record, you know, like, like 
you, you sort of like com- compared it to you know those wedding songs and everything but like if i was at a wedding and they and they played this i'd be pretty stoked you might get me on the dance That's floor true. you know for yeah. once or something um <laughs> I, and then it, it, it's eight minutes and 17 seconds long it's the third longest track but on, only by literal seconds um and it just like feels like it could go on forever but not in like an annoying like the song's dragging kind of way like in a jam bandy kind of way or even like like a kraut rock like just it, it's so like um you, you know like like pulsing or or, or, or moving forward that that it's it's hard to like see an end for it you know um and i i just think that that is like sort of like th- this one fits the theme a lot like with 1999 like the title track you know it, it's about this like partying uh like recklessly like before the world yeah. ends you know or something and like this song is like you know sort of like we're still at that party that that started at the beginning of the song you know and and it shows no signs of, of stopping uh or anything you know um yeah yeah this is a good example i wanted to add of of why you can forgive the sentiments of little red corvette because he encourages the ladies in the audience to work your body like a whore uh, you know so i guess he's perfectly fine with it. it's just the little red corvette girl that he's worried about um why did you put it so high Derek? i mean this song is like it is, you know, a statement, right? It is, um, you know, yeah, dance, like his, music, his mantra. So, yeah, 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 it's exactly yeah. what it is. And having that come in at like the fifth song of the album, I feel like it's just so perfect. You know, it's obviously it, it jams. It's an incredibly like jammy track, right? I can imagine like Prince on stage, just like walking around to different instruments as he does and just, you know, ripping a, a crazy drum mm-hmm. solo and then a guitar solo. Just, you know, it's just kind of one of those tracks that you can imagine like, drawing out for a long time but even on this on this record i just i love it so much because it's like it defines prince you know what i mean like if there's there's plenty of like amazing prince songs and this isn't like obviously my favorite but like you know if you wanted to like convey a message to somebody of like kind of what prince and the revolution like we're intending to do i feel like this song is kind of like at least one of the first ones you would start with you know what i mean like it kind of just dance music sex romance that's that's it and all the darkness yeah, I, in between I, like all of the stuff in between that you know i i really agree with yeah. you yeah i think that, i think that is perfect it is like it's 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 uh prince's mission statement you know yeah i i mean i i appreciate that i i feel that it, it lacks melody um you know it, it's it's really quite chanty and quite repetitive quite long and you know i, I mentioned that funk playlist of mine and it's it's seriously like 30 something hours of music and i've dug through so much sort of late 70s early 80s funk and there are a lot of songs like this where it feels it feels like a little bit like forcing the listener to have a good time you know it lacks the hook that's actually gonna grab you and it's just sort of like shouting something like you know dance jump around move around and i I just i always find those like a little they fall a little flat for me um I also wanted to ask you guys at this point about the sequencing of this record. Um, I mean, what do you think about, we basically get all of the huge, like 12 inch kind of, you know, extended mixes. Usually artists would release an extended mix for the club uh, because you don't want it to end um, and you don't want to change too much either. For some reason, Prince decided to basically just put those type mixes on the record and put three of them in a row. You know, let's pretend we're married, DMSR and automatic, back to back to back, long, repetitive club tracks. 
what do you guys make of that? I'll say I think that that you got to remember this is 1982 and it's a um it's like a just a problem with technology. You, you there's no way to like really arrange this onto two discs, four sides, like without having those sort of in the way they are. Um, mm. You know, like you you're just limited by time. Whereas you know now you, you could you could put them anywhere you wanted. But I, I I you know just sort of eyeballing it it. it it would be, I mean, you could switch like automatic and lady cab driver or, you know, DMSR and let's get married or something, but it, it would, or any of those, you know, around, but they sort of like, can't be, uh, well, wh- whether his hand was forced or not, I mean, listening to it now, how do how do you feel about that? Like a long stretch, of I, I, huge, I honestly tracks? sort of like it because like, you know, if you, if you think of this record as like a, th- a the theme of this like never ending party or whatever, it like sort of feels like that, you know, you've got three tracks back to back to back that are like these sort of ongoing, uh, you know, never ending feeling kind of things. I-, I-, I think it works well to the theme. Um, and I don't, ma- I don't, I don't, I don't mind it because like once, once you're in that sort of like, you know, that's sort of the jam section of, of this record. And, and once you're in the jam, you, you, you kind of want to stay there, you know, you don't, you don't want to jam you know ha- have a have a slow song go back to j you know i i sort of like to 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 stick around i mean it kind of comes that gets messed up a little bit with something in the water and free and lady cab driver being switched around but i mean oh, i feel i feel like it, make? i feel like it elevates the lp like the the form you know the platform of the lp and i i really appreciate i've always appreciated the fact that like prince was you know, willing to obviously make a radio edit of a song like 1999, but still keep right. the integrity, the original idea for the album. You know what I mean? Like it kind of just that that sort of concept is completely gone like these these days. You know what I mean? So having these longer songs here, having them all like drawn out and stuff, like I'm I'm all for it. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm like so into it because like as a lover of albums in general, like you know when something's good. You kind of always, you kind of just want more and more of it. You know what I mean? Um, it's surprising because I, I kind of don't view this album as like a double album. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Right. Just because of how lengthy it is, I suppose. But like eleven tracks, like I'm in its Prince. Like I'm, you know, he keeps things interesting. We've talked about a couple of tracks that you know maybe things aren't as dynamic or whatever. But I mean, ultimately, I'm like I'm jamming to pretty much all of these songs. I'm not I'm not waiting for them to end or eager for them to end. You know what I'm saying? So I, I can totally see why you would want to stick. You know, let it go as long as as it needs to go. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's thematically relevant in a way where it's kind of like setting up. You know, the the mission statement being like let's party till we drop dead, basically, or till the world ends, and then we do enter like a straight up. You know, back to back to back, just dancing 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 kind of a a vibe um but it's maybe trying and this is like the number one criticism i see like on places like rate your music where people get a little tired i think of this stretch um we are on to actually your number five darren was dmsr yes d okay okay all right my number five is all the critics love you in new york all right that's my number four okay I don't suppose uh, this is anywhere near here for you, Dan? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I- I'm aware that it's uh, it's one of Dan's favorite Prince tracks, but this is another one where, instrumentally, it's basically just a straight-up amazing house track. And again, 1982. You know, house is, like, just coming into being at this point, I think. And I have sort of a theory. Some music theorists will get mad at me or something, but... You know, this is a simplification, but uh, it's kind of interesting how you can sort of watch like 
basically you start with, I don't know, something like gospel or something, and it sort of transforms into soul, you know, and it gets secular. That sort of transforms into funk, you know, basically like there are these flashpoints, like James Brown is kind of like the point where that crossover Mm -hmm. happens. Funk starts to turn into disco, you know, maybe that's like, I don't know, I guess it'd be hard to say Diana Ross or something or like uh, Michael Jackson even. And then, you know, disco starts to turn into house, which diverges off into like hip hop, off into techno. And so I would say that, you know, all that stuff is swirling right in here. And I would identify 1999, the album, as a major flashpoint for that. Definitely. That moment, you know, and it's all right here. And all the critics love you in New York, in New York, because it's like quite, it's very funky, but it's very house. It's almost got like a post-punk kind of baseline. You know, you can imagine like LCD sound system really digging this track specifically. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, And it's just, it's just like a complete, you know, banger. And again, I, I, I like to imagine, you know, there must've been kids all over the place who are basically hearing house for the first time via this track. And it's like a great, great introduction, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that, that's, I'll save the number, but I'll go ahead and mostly talk about it because I, I pretty much the reasons I, I picked it are, are kind of what you said. Just those things are a little more like uh, important to me, I guess. Um, like like I, I the the song it's it's got this weird like darkness to it. It like I always like sort of feel like it's it's like a really like pop suicide song or something. You know, like it, it's, it's oh yeah, okay. it's like it yeah. has like this like a cleaned up suicide to to me uh he means the band suicide, oh yeah, yeah way, not like Princess actually <laughs> yeah killing yourself <laughs> just a big fan of me. uh but no i mean yeah. th- th- those are the reasons i love this track is is because yeah it's bringing these like elements of of house and maybe post-punk you know all, all these like weird things that that in 1982 are like so yeah. alien to uh, your, your your average listener. I, I've always thought like the the one of the things that fascinates me the most about Prince is that like he is so famous. You know, like like think of like yeah, his yeah. lyrics and and these weird I things know. he's doing. Like your grandma knows who Prince is. You know, anyone listening, like your grandma knows who Prince is. Um, and she shouldn't. She shouldn't know that. It's like it's like a weird yeah, thing. You yeah. know, it, it, he he seems like the sort of artist that should be like sort of an underground gym or something. But it's just like he's just so actually like good that that it transcends that you know yeah another thing i actually wanted to add um is you know in contrast with dsmr which we were just talking about um or dmsr um we you know which sort of lacks melody all the critics love you in new york has this absolutely pure pop melody you know on that hook like oh the critic you know and it's like got this thumping repetitive house beat and then when that little melody comes in it's just such pure like blast of pop that i feel like this is a this is a great synthesis of those two vibes mm-hmm. like the minimalist the repetitive the the jam kind of thing and the pop you know like just a much better example than dmsr but uh why is it you said it's your number four darren yeah and i mean i obviously agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying i guess personally for me you know i love an artist like Prince who tries something a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like he very easily could have thrown in some sort of like wild guitar solo, right. Or some, you know, uh, some essential like Prince screaming and stuff. Right. um, right. To make the decision to kind of do something a little more like low key, at least vocally um, and kind of let the music sort of 
shine here and the beat and you know the house all the stuff that you guys were mentioning I, I mean it's obviously that's a mark of a genius right like just to kind of mm-hmm. know when is the right time to sort of refrain and like for somebody like prince to refrain which he hardly ever does um makes this kind of like a a, a real gem on on an album like this you know yeah i'm actually always amazed by that with prince because it's like any track he wanted he could just lay like a wicked guitar yeah, solo. Right, but even right. even a track like you know dmsr or something that in my opinion could have used like more of a guitar solo uh you know he rolls back he does like a couple bars but then like you know the drums do some breaks and stuff like he's always kind of you know he's got so much talent that he's he's always withholding a little bit well it's um, it's like shocking to think that like yeah purple rain is like in his back pocket in a couple of years you know what i mean like how right right it's it's incredible yeah not to mention the stuff in the vault that's just getting released for the first time now um all right dan you're number four uh my number four something in the water does not compute which uh we already okay. talked about yeah one thing i did want to mention though uh that I, I meant to mention earlier with this song is like does it ever get a little predictable and i'm just playing devil's advocate here a little boring that like so many of the songs here end with one of his weird monologues you know like this one does just it's like almost like a thing like where where one uh, yeah. artist would be like let me throw a guitar solo here he's like i'm gonna talk about weird sex for a little bit <laughs> it just it's just sort of like <sighs> it sort of like builds a theme for the record i feel like and i mean they're always like so entertaining that i don't i don't mind hearing another one you know like like it it doesn't get corny or cheesy or 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 annoying or anything like i always sort of look forward to a good weird ass prince it's true uh, yeah monologue yeah i don't really mind it at all i mean i feel like it's prince just kind of establishing himself as this you know sex god almost you know what i mean like it's I, you know, I don't, I don't know in 1982, maybe it would have been different, but you know, looking back at it now, it's like, that's, that's just Prince. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it does. Sort it would of be, like, it would uh, be odd if he wasn't doing something like that. It, it like announces him as a star too, you know, like it's, it's Prince and the revolution, you know, like it, it puts him like sort of front and center to like speak to you, you know, not just, you know, there's so many bands or, or whatever, you know, you, you've only ever heard the singer sing um it's true yeah but it really well, like, he, yeah he becomes that face. kind of person that like you imagine like millions of women like wanting to have sex with him because he just <laughs> seems like something that you know you can't even imagine how amazing it must be you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i guess so i mean i i, I like <laughs> to think of I, I like to think of his songs as kind of like characters more yeah more so mm-hmm. you know they're like I, I don't know necessarily who prince is you know because i always feel like it's a different character and it's such an interesting experience to get like a full scale monologue from one of these characters like you just get to know so much more about them you know because like i said i don't feel like the guy in little red corvette is prince no, I necessarily agree. yeah it doesn't reflect his ideas about sexuality but you know to be able to learn more about that person is is just a lot of fun and you know darren we we heard your number four which is all the critics love you in new york right yes so my number four Speaking of monologues, I think the best one on this album, International Lover. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So I know that uh, Dan put this rather low. And when I first started make, making the list, I thought I would put it sort of low, but it just kept moving up for me. Um, it's it's weird because it's got the traditional instrumentation, just like Free, the other ballad here. Um which makes a little bit of a standout, but I think you're allowed to stand out a little bit at the end. I think you mentioned this, Dan, but it's like more okay at the end of the album. Yeah. Um, 
It also has like sort of a self-consciousness that I feel is missing from free where it's, it's like very deliberately trying to get in the spirit of like, you know, I don't know the Delphonics or like the temptations, you know, or like Teddy Pendergrass or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's like doing that in acknowledgement of the silliness of some of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like you guys have to agree with me that he, he, this song is is sort of funny to Prince, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I think he definitely has like some self awareness, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, you know, what does he say at the end? Like, uh, thanks for flying on Prince International. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that is and great. I, I, I almost think he's like completely like supremely self-aware to the point where you know like how purple rain is kind of a cult movie because it's like so ridiculous right. you know yeah, like he, yeah he must have known right it's it's kind of funny um and i i feel like this song like just sums up that part of his personality and his genius um it's like completely hilarious the monologue is so entertaining and actually i would strongly recommend i think it's so much better the live version at the end of this set um it's like quite a bit longer and he just, you know, you know how you can kind of feel it like on record. It's a little, a little clamped down, but live, he's going to fucking kill that monologue. And like you said, Darren, like make the entire crowd fall in love with him with the delivery. Yeah. And so this is my number three, by the way. Um, okay. I mean, just, you know, one-to-one comparison with like free, like ballad to ballad, like this song just blows it out of the water. Just. I do agree with that, yeah. It's got, it's got everything. But this is one of the tracks that, in particular, it almost sounds like, to me, like, Prince is like, you know what? I want to write a sex song. Like, I, I want it to sound like sex. You know what I mean? Like, I want it to kind of have every element of sex happening musically. You know what I mean? And I, I'm no music theorist. I can't really, like, pinpoint exactly how he's doing this, like, with different key changes or whatever. But... You know, like by the end of the song, like you've reached a a musical climax and a sexual <laughs> climax. Right, like right. it's all there. You know, I'm I'm actually convinced that Prince or this character Gabe, if you will, at the moment of orgasm is letting out that scream. That like that is <laughs> could you imagine? Like that is what I think of when we get to that yeah, point in the song. Point. You know, and then like the whole come down obviously like a plane coming down all this like <laughs> right. just so exhausted for him to just be like thanks for flying on you know what i mean it's it's brilliant it's <laughs> like it's funny but it's also like i'm i'm like right there i'm like totally like wrapped up in it um in in the actual song itself you know talking about it is obviously kind of like funny and silly but you know it's very conv- yeah. i feel like it's convincing you know yeah it's like very it's just a great song i mean like the pianos are beautiful the guitar line that comes in toward the end absolutely beautiful and you know you would think he's like almost ruining it with the silliness but he delivers it so sincerely that it makes it i don't know just absolutely stunning but like it's it's like uh you know delphonic song but he's deliberately turning it up to like 11 you know i mean i just think that's that's just so awesome. Um, okay, so we are on to number three for you, Dan. Yeah, for number three for me, uh, let's pretend we're married. Okay. Which All I right, can't so remember. Let's... Did you both talk about that? I haven't talked about it okay. yet. Darren, you did. Darren did. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was number seven for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. So we can have the combo. Uh, th- this song is just catchy as hell. I think, I, and I think you mentioned this, Darren, like that, that sort of chorus, like the, 
oh sha sha cuckoo yeah thing whatever yeah, like that yeah, is just yeah. like an earworm you know like what what like masterful Absolutely. song writing you know something like that is like even you know you're just making these nonsense words like so uh so catchy and everything uh it, it, this is just a great song um i wish it was like a bigger single uh, you know i i i I think it almost deserves it more than uh, like delirious or anything, you know? Um, I I think this is just sort of like classic Prince, you know, we, we said like, um, you know, Dex, uh, DMSR is, is like sort of Prince's, you know, motto or whatever. But but this is a song that I would, if, if somebody wanted, you know, what were some Prince tracks to get into? Like, I think this is like one I would put on the list. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's the, it's, the 12 inch like kind of jam track working like Mm -hmm. firing on all cylinders unlike automatic and dmsr which i'm a little less fond of but it because it's so it's so catchy it's like those synth blasts the way that you know like the the instrumentation kind of drops out for a second those blasts come in here and there it like adds so much so much dynamics to the to this um the instrumentally it's got that quality that i was talking about earlier where it's like it's basically a house or techno track and it just almost feels like he's just trying to like invent some sort of new language of dance or something like faster, faster, you know, and he's accidentally stumbling on techno basically because, you know, we, we talked about in our previous podcast, Manuel Gotching's E2 E4, which is generally considered like the invention of techno. And this is two years before that. Um, and he's like right on the verge of it. And yet it's as catchy as any pop song there is, especially with that, you know, ooey cuckoo yeah thing. And like, I also want to highlight the theme. This is another track where like the theme is just so, it adds so much to the track because in light of this reckless abandon thing, dancing like until the world ends, you know, the idea of like pretending we're married, you know, it's almost like, let's pretend we have stability, but we're actually just, you know, completely untethered and just having like wild one night stands and, you know, fucking ourselves up emotionally because who cares? Like the world's going to blow up anyway, because you know, the cold war and all this shit, but you know, just the idea of like pretending like we're married and then, you know, ending up somehow on fucking the taste out of her mouth. It's just like (laughs) the most amazing, you know what I'm saying? Like thematically, I think this is like maybe the most interesting song on the record. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. It is it is strange. It's like I, I I've sort of like kind of always thought about it too. Like uh, you know, Prince is like trying to get a lady, you know, in the bedroom, and she's like, oh, you know, I, I don't do those kind of things. And he's like, oh, well, we we'll, we'll pretend we're married. You know, that that would make it okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he says, like uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it would make it all right or whatever. And I also I like you know, if you're free for the next couple of hours. But then if you're not busy for seven years, like, it's such a weird, like, <laughs> yeah. what is that even? I know. And then, you know, it's just like the, because I like the, you know, ooey, cuckoo, yeah thing. It's almost like a kumbaya sort of a thing, because then he all says, the like, sing, all the hippies yeah. sing. And it's almost like he's just making fun of idealism, because it's like, it's impossible in 1982 mm-hmm. to feel idealistic about the state of the world at all or feel hopeful in any way. And all we can really do is just, like, pretend for tonight that we have, like, a happy marriage you know, I, I just think it's like, it's absolutely amazing uh, thematically, this song. Um, Darren, we're on to your number three. Number three was International Lover. So, yeah, I talked okay. about Okay. Yep. 
All right, so my number three, I already talked about it, but it's Lady Cab Driver. Again, add this. If you have a funk playlist, add this shit to it. It's just going to kill every time, unless you got kids in the car or something like that. Um, <laughs> Dan, you're number two. My number two, and this is sort of a tough, uh, tough pick between one and two here, but I, I went number two, All the Critics Love You in New York, which is okay is maybe if you know if you just told me to say my favorite prince song and i wasn't you know looking at it in the context of of a record or themes or just like one i enjoy the most it would probably be this one uh we pretty much already talked about why but it's just incorporates a lot of stuff i i i really enjoy in music um it's just like a fantastic uh song um so yeah, it's okay. maybe my so it's maybe my clear, favorite Prince song. Just to be clear, your favorite Prince song of all time is the second best song. <laughs> well, that's what I said. Have. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I, okay, no, makes perfect sense. I got it. Just I, you know, in, in the context of the record. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it, sure. Um, <laughs> Darren, you're number two. Number two for me is 1999. Ooh, oh, I my we, number two as well. Oh, I thought we were all gonna. All gonna, I should have switched them. I should have switched them. <laughs> <laughs> redo. Redo the podcast. Yep. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this at the top. Like, this was probably, like, the first Prince song I can remember specifically, maybe besides, like, when, when Doves Cry, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, j- just as an opening track, like, the function it serves of just introducing this sort of apocalyptic sort of uh, dance party or whatever, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, really brings to mind for me personally a lot of the things that were going on around 1999 the actual year 1999 you know what i mean yeah um, I know. the kind of anxieties and the worries and like to think that he was just sort of foreseeing this in 1982 is just unbelievable i mean I, i'm not gonna lie i probably when i was younger i had thought that he wrote this in 1999 like he had written oh yeah, yeah. Basically I, I, around there you know what i mean I remember. I think, I think the song came back that. out, right? I think it got remixed or something. Yeah, the, I no, remember he, re- he re-recorded it. He re-recorded oh, it. Oh, that's what it is. This okay. is when he was trying to. He was basically pulling a Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift, where he said, "I'm going to re-record my entire discography so it doesn't belong to Warner Brothers." And he re- he released 1999 and claims to have recorded his entire Warner Brothers discography, but no tracks have ever emerged. So he was either full of shit. Or these future box sets, you know, will get second versions of his entire discography. Who knows? Well, one one crazy thing about it re-entering the charts: this song's actually been on the charts in three separate decades, at um, like on the Hot 100, because it when it originally came out in 1999, and then uh, it hit the charts again when he died. So it's it's three decades. Uh, It's uh, it's been on the charts. Yeah, it's all. It's like. It's weird because it would be his signature song, like if Purple Rain didn't exist, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) It's like his other signature song. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's hard to even think of like what to say about it because it's an absolute masterpiece. I feel like it's one of those things where no matter how many times I've heard it, when it starts, you know, I'm just there for it Mm -hmm. completely. Yeah, It's, It's awesome because it's the best example on this record, which like really runs through this record of like a pretty stiff, almost mechanical, you know, beat, but so much like funk in the pockets of the, of that beat. You know, it's, it's so interesting because it captures that almost like dystopian robotic sci-fi thing he's going for, but is such a like funk slapper at the same time. Um, it also really gets into this thing that's so important through most of this record of like sex as an outlet for like larger anxieties, which 
is such an interesting topic. You know, we've talked about this actually before, I think, where I've always thought it was weird how there are a lot of pop songs that are about, um, you know, like, I don't know, trying to convince somebody to dance with you or like sleep with you because nothing matters. We're all going to die. You know, Britney Spears dancing till the world ends or like the Pitbull song or whatever. That's like, might not have tomorrow. You know, it's like, and those sound so pedestrian compared to this because it just feels so genuinely reckless in like a rock and roll spirit kind of way, you know, like genuinely doesn't care about anything, but fucking himself up. And yet the song is so fun. I mean, I just don't even know how he pulls it off. I don't know how he pulls off like, you know, the synths. it just almost sounds like, you know, Blade Runner soundtrack mixed with, you know, James Brown or something. I mean, it's a stunning Stunning song. Yeah, I mean, that's basically why I I had to put it as number one, you know? I mean, it, it just, in the context of this record, like, it is the reason I think there even is a theme uh, for it. You know, otherwise, I, I feel like sort of everything would just be kind of loosely connected. Um, and then, you know, like, the, the, this odd, like, creation of the, of this subgenre of, like, uh, ending the world while dancing yeah. type of thing, you know, like, what what a... What a thing, you know, I mean, it's 30 something years later and it's still, uh, the, you know, those songs are still coming out and everything. It's just, just right. an amazing, um, track. And then, I mean, so, so weird too, like, uh, that like toddler voice he does at the end, you know, <laughs> the part is like the coolest part of the song. No, it, yeah. like, why does everybody have a it's bomb? It's so like, rad. <laughs> like, again, that like, like we've talked about all throughout this podcast, like it's something that I feel like if anyone else did. It would be really cheesy. Like if you just say on paper, like, oh, at the end of the song, uh, the person makes their voice sound like a toddler and they say, why does everybody have a bomb? I'd be like, that sounds like some Anani bullshit and it sucks. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's great. It's like, like you said, it's like the, the coolest. Like I, I, I like to listen to this whole song, like, because I like hearing that little part, you know, at the end and stuff like. Yeah. Well, you know what I one particular thing that I find like incredibly rad and this gets a little granular, but it, it makes me think of like Paul McCartney. We just recently talked about this on the Abbey Road uh, pod where, you know, we talked about how Paul had he mentioned something um, on one of the demos or whatever. He's like, you know, you got to keep your best bits till the very end, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I think of like I think of like that moment in I Want to Hold Your Hand when there's like the change to the minor chord like at the very end like I listened to the whole song just to get to that moment. This song has that too when the 1999 Don't You Want to uh, Don't You Want to Go or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. happens on the half beat like right at the end like oh my god just that moment just the whole song before it was already like a ten out of ten incredible like legendary song and, and then, then he, he manages he to fit it. one more thing at the end and I'm just like this is genius you know what i mean like I, yeah that's the kind of stuff that like makes a song timeless like you know you always want to listen to it because like that part right there like you got to get to that point you know what i mean yeah and let me also strongly shout out once again the live version that comes on this set um it's like 10 and a half minutes long and it just like cause you know how it gets weird like on that why does everybody have a bomb part where like it's almost like uh monotone you know it's like the bass is like playing the same note or whatever and it just like rocks that for like a long time and it's very like minimalist and very strange but like incredibly awesome um okay so we have gone through did we hear your number one darren no wow all right what is it it's little red corvette i guess Uh, i'm gonna have to defend this (laughs) yeah Uh, i I just forgot that you didn't even mention that one yeah so I mean, this song to me, 
first off, I just feel like it's kind of like a perfect pop song. It's like one of those pop songs that I just feel like is pretty much perfect from the beginning to the end. Like musically, it has another one of those moments, like I just mentioned with 1999, where like the lit red Corvette, ooh, like right at the end, that little little extra little bit there after like an amazing song, you know. It's incredible because it seems so subtle and not insignificant, but I don't know, the way you can elevate an already amazing song again at the very end just makes it again a song that i'm just like yeah if it's on i'm listening to it every single time if i'm gonna recommend a prince song to you it's probably gonna be little red corvette like it'll be one of maybe two or three other songs that i'm like yep this is one you got to listen to it's a staple um i I don't i have never tired of it you guys kind of mentioned that um it was one of my favorite prince songs when i really got into prince and it has always been just a favorite and i felt a little like i felt you know, it felt bad almost because like, I was like, well, this has got to be number one, but you know, it's a mainstream hit. It's got all that, you know, it's overplayed, yada, yada. I don't know. For me, it's, it's just a perfect song. I love it. I'll never get tired of it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I said my piece on it, but I do think it's pretty, it's pretty awesome that it was like the first, you know, the video, I guess was the, like, the first black artist to be played on MTV. I mean, MTV was very new, but, um, you know, it's interesting to think that Thriller was on its way uh, pretty soon, and MTV was basically designed to be like kind of a rock thing. And yeah. you know, it's just amazing. Like black music took over, you know, and that this song, you know, because it's so it's like in the rock world, but it like it draws you into Prince's larger world. You know, I mean, I think that that's historically it's very very significant and very very cool. Um, my number one, I also already talked about this one plenty. Let's pretend we're married. You know, as I was talking about 1999 just now, I was kind of like wondering if maybe I should have put that at number one. But we talked about why Let's Pretend We're Married is just it's like a long banger, but one that stays incredibly catchy the entire time um, and a really forward thinking masterpiece. And with that, we have gone through the whole album. You know, I want to kind of wrap up by asking, you know, as you were listening this week, did you have any new thoughts about the album as a whole? I'm wondering, you know in light of thinking that this is always overshadowed by purple rain, maybe even sign of the times, do you, how do you feel it stacks up against those records? Do you feel like it deserves more credit? I mean, like I said at the, at the beginning, I, I think this is probably my favorite Prince record. Um, so obviously I, I think it's better than purple rain and sign of the times. Um, I, I just like this, this record, like purple rain, like feels like the breakout hit, you know, I mean, a, a fantastic record and everything. But this one just like, you know, there's some there's the little hidden gems you get. You also get like the two two of the biggest singles ever. You know, you get like a little bit of everything you want. Um and, and because of that I, I just think that it, it is like unparalleled. Um I don't know. I, I I've always loved this record, you know, since I got into Prince and I <laughs> immensely enjoyed you know like getting back into it it had been quite a while since i had listened to it and stuff so um it was really enjoyable i don't i don't know if i enjoy it any more than i always have but um you know <laughs> it, it was it was great to to get back into i think i enjoyed it a lot more um than i had ever done before largely because i think i would often kind of jump over to purple rain or whatever if i started you know if i was getting into a prince kick or whatever um, but I think it's really telling that like, at least me personally, I didn't feel like I needed to rely on purple rain to talk about 1999 this entire yeah, time. You know what I mean? True. Like it was very easy to just stay focused on this album. And I think that's a testament to really how great it is. I mean, I think it stands up next to it. I mean, purple rain still to me is 
the best Prince record, but this is definitely one that, you know, if you're getting into Prince or anything like that, like you would never want to miss. I mean, this is, this doesn't deserve to actually be in Purple Rain's shadow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting and, you know, we didn't save ourselves a ton of time to talk about the larger box set, but, you know, as I was listening through some of the stuff in the vault, you know, I found it, I found it pretty interesting that he he was really fixated on making, you know, these kind of jams, like these kind of house influenced, um, really forward thinking sort of, uh, jams on this record. There are a lot of these bonus tracks that are of a similar ilk, and it feels like he completely abandons that for Purple Rain. You know what I mean? Like that that's not even a presence there. It's all extremely tight pop songs, really more like Little Red Corvette, you know? Yeah. Um I mean, isn't that kind of interesting? Like it's 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 almost like if you think about it, he he comes out, you know, in in mainstream consciousness with 1999 with this sound and then almost completely abandons it for the next record. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, doesn't even he makes a mention on this record somewhere that like he doesn't care about like being played on the radio or like hits or anything like that. Uh, so you almost imagine that the next record would be like longer tracks, maybe fewer tracks that are all just like long, long jams. And he yeah kind of kind of goes totally in reverse and instead creates songs that are on the radio, which is you know fascinating. Yeah, I mean, completely. It, it, it's a brave thing to do, you know, to, to switch up, you know, after you become popular for a sound to then switch that sound up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it obviously worked in his favor and made him much more famous, but, um, you know, that, that doesn't typically work. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like almost a testament to, to him that it was like a reinvention and yet it made it even bigger. Um you know, we talked about a lot of the other questions I had jotted down here, so maybe we can talk about the remaster and the the bonus stuff. I mean, one question I have is like, why why is this record so murky? Is it? Do you feel like it's an artistic choice? Do you feel like it's just limitations of these early synthesizers and drum machines? Do you even agree with me that it's very murky? I do agree with you, and you know, this was I think we've talked about it before, but like that that was always sort of a problem with Prince and why we've always been excited for all these like remasters because um his, his whole like early discography sort of has this like murky thing and i and i'm not sure why because there's plenty of other things from that from this time period that don't really sound that bad there's probably more that do but so i don't know if it was just like was that the style of the time is it some sort of limitation is it just like you know how like like the beatles like um the the like stereo mixes are like really sort of bad uh, on the uh, originally yeah. and it was because like that was sort of a um a novelty and, and a tool that you know people didn't really know how to use yet so i i do sort of wonder like the drum machine is 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 fairly new uh, and stuff at this point was it just like people didn't really know the best way to record them or you know what i i honestly don't know enough about it yeah and i mean i wonder even similar to like the beatles like if they were thinking about how the audience was going to be consuming this music. You know what I mean? Like people back in the sixties with the Beatles didn't have really nice headphones. I yeah, imagine like, um, they were going to be listening kind of standing next to large speakers and maybe that's similar to kind of Prince's approach as well. Like, you know, this is like club music and maybe it sounded fine coming out of like, you know, a thumping like club speaker or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's like one of my, one of the greatest mysteries for me, like, you know, you listen to something like, I'm trying to think of something random, like, uh, I don't know, Zeppelin 4. 
sounds like a million mm-hmm. times clearer yeah. Yeah. than this record. Um, like completely bizarre. I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, it must've been weird, right? That like systems probably weren't built to handle like the base of an 808 or something at the time. Um, but I don't know. It's very baffling. Do you guys think it adds to the character of this record or is it kind of like a flaw of this record? I think it's always been sort of like a little bit of a flaw with this record and kind of Prince's like entire discography. I like, I think this remaster sounds uh, quite a bit better. And and oh, I yeah. and I think we're uh, you know we're, we're we're better off in the world for that <laughs> you know there, there's there's there, there's yeah. it's sort of infrequent that like a remaster of a of an old classic record uh, especially one that I like uh, already loved like kind of takes the place of of what I listen to all the time I feel like they're either usually so mm. subtle that it's like I don't really care you know which one I have I can't really tell unless I'm paying attention or it's something like the Beatles where it fixes kind of like a problem that that was there um, but this is this is one that I uh, I definitely will change and in fact I'm like very glad on like Spotify. You know, so often uh, when there's like a super deluxe or something, they only put like the remaster in the super deluxe. And then when you got it saved, you know, you got six hours of things saved when you really only want. But on Spotify, they didn't do that. They switched the original, like just the album, it switched to the remaster. So you can, you got that on its own or you got the deluxe. So uh, thank you, uh, Spotify, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I just feel like this master was totally necessary. It's a dance record and the bass needed to be there and it just absolutely wasn't before. Um, Sounds like you're pleased as well with the remaster, Darren. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, in fact, I feel like it elevates the record for me in a lot of ways because this was one that I just often did not like to listen to largely because of the quality. Yeah. Because I just don't know, like, I feel like with something like automatic, it's like the subtleties in the sound that make it worth getting through like the mm-hmm. whole 10 minutes, you know? And if it's just like a kind of thin Merc, I, I don't even know how to like, I just, and that's why I, I probably never clicked with me before, but there's really a lot, you know, you can't hear those like little guitars in the pocket and stuff like that uh, as well um, as you can now. Um, how about the, any, you know, we've only got a few minutes for this, but the bonus material, um, Anything jump out at you guys? Um, yeah, I liked uh, I, I liked some of the songs. Like honestly, I, I don't think anything. There was nothing where I was like, "Oh man, I wish this had had made um, the record." Right. It was all. It was all like good, and I. I mean, in fact, like it's almost like you could you could take a bunch of these songs and just make another record, and that record would be great. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like none of them really like sort of fit the theme, but I I did like Irresistible Bitch a lot. Uh, like he's like singing that weird yeah. voice. Uh, Feel you up's good. Um, yeah, I love that one. Uh, Money don't grow on cheap. Really, just like sort of the first like handful of 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 tracks. Um, up to up to rearrange like are kind of like a really good EP or something. Uh, or or a shorter record. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, to be honest, like mo- most of the the vault tracks, um, I don't think I'll like be listening to them all the time or anything they they you know i was kind of thinking i might make a playlist uh between these and some of the other ones that have come out and you know maybe i'll hit that every now and then but yeah what about you darren yeah i mean i didn't get too much time to spend with these but um you know feel you up i i i did like that one i thought vagina was just <laughs> kind of very funny you know what i mean like i uh, yeah. i went into this that song thinking it was going to be something extremely you know, just like sensual and like sexual. And it said, it's like him just kind of <laughs> right. telling the story with the character named Vagina or whatever. It's just, I don't know, very unexpected, <laughs> but, um, you know, listening to all these, I was, 
kind of surprised at just how not finished they sounded, but I mean, there were like overdubs and like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, it just yeah. seemed like there was a lot of thought put into these. And then for them to just get completely scrapped and never even looked at again is crazy. Yeah, they don't, they don't know? just feel like demos, you know, they, they feel like at right. least a step or like two. Unfinished, yeah. Yeah. Like a step yeah. or two above that. Yeah. I mean, I was also amazed. Like there, there was a set that came out earlier this year, originals where it's mm-hmm. like demos he recorded for other artists to um, record and, he puts like a ton of effort and in, even into the demos. Um, but yeah, a lot of these sound like completely finished tracks. Um, one thing, which I guess is a finished track, um, even though it's pretty sparse, how come you don't call me anymore? It's actually a B side. Um, I had never heard it and it's, it's just awesome. And again, I cannot, I cannot hype this enough. This is like, to me, like the best part of this whole set is the live disc because, um, you got to listen to how come you don't call me anymore on that where it's basically him at a, at a piano, but like backing vocals come in and stuff and it's like seven minutes long and he just goes fucking crazy. Like he's monologue singing, you know? And it's like, it's just, I mean, I got, I can't even explain it. It's just fucking amazing. Um, any last thoughts on 1999? No, nah, I think we've pretty much covered it. All right. Should we move on to just a couple quick emails? Yeah. All right, a reminder, you can email us anything, anytime, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Our first email this week comes from Luke, who writes, I loved your episode on Trout Mask Replica, and it got me thinking about another weird artist I'd call one of my all-time favorites, Shushu. They're not outsider music by any means, but they have made some pretty weird music over the years, from albums like A Promise and Angel Guts to their batshit covers of songs like Fast Car and Only Girl in the World. Do you have any particularly strong opinions on them? Um, I... My wife like really loves Shushu, and so I've listened to a lot of it, and it seems like something that is really up my alley, but I just can never get super into them. Uh, the the singer Jamie, um, his voice is kind of like kind of always sounds like weird Dracula or something. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I a couple years ago did go see them perform the uh, music from Twin Peaks live, and uh, uh, that was amazing. That was like one of the best shows I've ever been to. Like. Um, not only was it, you know, I mean, obviously I, I love like the soundtrack to Twin Peaks, but like they put on a show, like it, it was, it was, it was like fantastic. And I, I did like their record from this year, uh, a girl with basket of fruit, uh, a little bit and, and stuff. So uh, I, I'm working my way into them. Um, but I, I don't absolutely love them. What about you, Darren? Uh, I mean, no, I, I remember this band coming up a lot when we were in high school, Gabe. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I never, never got into them. Yeah, it was weird. I couldn't get into them back then, but then it was like years later that I started to actually really love, you know, records like A Promise and The Air Force. Um, I think they're pretty, they're they're actually incredibly fucking awesome. And it's weird because I'm not a huge fan, but I always check out the new, you know, whatever the new Shushu yeah, record same, is. Yeah, same, um, And it's always like a surprise and always, always pretty cool. Um, all right, so our next... <laughs> Actually, we got a YouTube comment from Steve, which I really only wanted to read because it might get Darren riled up a little bit. Um, Steve has a question about the Shags. Did their father intend for this music to be avant-garde or was he just crazy? Um, I don't know if I remember all the backstory well enough. I think I know the answer, but Dan, you're probably qualified to answer. Yeah, uh, he's definitely just crazy. There was no, (laughs) it wasn't, he wasn't like, oh, I've got this, because because honestly, if he just had this, uh, you know, I've got this crazy postmodern idea or something, that would cheapen right. it. Uh, he's just fucking nuts. He thought a <laughs> fortune teller told him that um, 
he, his daughters would form this band that would be very famous, and so he uh, had to like fulfill this prophecy and stuff. Uh, that's a crazy man. Well, he could have done a little oh, he was right. better job of teaching them how to play their instruments. You know <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah, I wondered. I wondered if you had an opinion on that, Darren. Do you feel like? I mean, do you believe the story? Like, you believe the story, you just think the music is shit? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I do believe the story that he, like, what took them out of school and everything and forced them to play mm-hmm. and everything. But, and they're like, they don't realize that, they're, that they suck. And for the record, Darren said that was not child abuse on our old uh, <laughs> podcast, which you can listen to that on YouTube. Perfectly fine with it. Yeah. still think that he should have worked them harder, but, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, uh, we could talk that's about Darren's that main... Day main takeaway from the whole saga <laughs> if you're gonna I feel like we talk them. about the shags as much as we talk about kanye west like it's true yeah <laughs> it's those, incredible. Are, those are like the those are the mascots of well the they podcast. are you know they're on similar levels the two most important artists <laughs> to pop shield. um okay finally we got an email from felix who asked if we can do a top 10 rap albums ever podcast um i think it's something to consider but actually when we got this email it really it, it sort of made me start to realize that like 10 years ago i feel like i could have done that but rap has taken over and evolved and gone in so many crazy directions in the last decade that it almost feels like impossible. Yeah, you know? it's it's a, like like rap has become like like rock, you know, like like if you said yeah, what yeah. are the 10 best rock albums ever? Like that's difficult, you know, cuz does that include indie rock, you know, does that include right, right. Uh, art pop, you know, and stuff? Uh, and it's sort of become that because because yeah, like do, do you include a trap record? I feel like you would. Um but that's hard. I, I think anytime you try to do the best of a genre, period, uh, it, that that's a difficult task unless it's a small niche genre. Uh, I think, though, uh, we should make an effort to do more rap uh, things because we really haven't done all that much outside of Kanye um, on this new it's podcast. So, so we do need to work it in, but maybe in a different uh, way. I, I think we should get to some classic stuff, uh, classic hip hop records. Yeah, I was thinking uh, it would be fun to do. Um jay-z now that you poverty spotify guys can listen to it i was thinking the same thing (laughs) (laughs) you want to do more rap darren yeah i'd be down for that all right all right well i guess that's enough for this week so what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on the air you can email us like we said popshieldpod at gmail.com uh next episode uh we'll be a little delayed uh because of the holidays we got some traveling and and stuff everybody's doing uh but we're gonna upload an older discussion uh, of prince's purple rain um in two weeks uh as a holdover but after that it's gonna be our giant uh end of the year wrap up you know we'll give you our our top records of the year to be a big one uh we'll, we'll make up for for missing the, the the one show so if you like the show help us out subscribe leave us a five star a review wherever you get your podcast stay connected twitter facebook instagram all that junk is at pop shield pod and we'll see you next time see ya so long